Hi, Tupi friends! We're supposed to be back in the fall, but we couldn't stay away, we missed you. We're bringing you this unexpected midsummer episode so you won't forget about us and know we're thinking of you. And then we'll go back on behind-the-scenes podcast work and return with weekly episodes and lit content on October 4th, as initially announced, so mark the day in your calendars. But right now we're also bringing you a surprise. Hello, Neil! Hey, Sandra! And hello, Tyler, my new co-host! Hi, Sandra! Hi, Neil, and hello to all of the listeners. I'm glad to be here at the Dubious Headquarters. <laughs> I'm glad you're here, too. And uh, I guess everybody should know that, uh, yeah, we said we we're going to make some changes. So Sandra and Tyler will be doing Dubious together from now on. I am out. So I'm passing the baton to someone, well, not a whole lot younger, a little bit younger, <laughs> but... Certainly with more energy and more time on his hands. What I'm hearing is I need to buckle up. <laughs> what I'm hearing is I hope Tyler has the patience to deal with Sandra. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> well, you both have good ears. On a serious note, though, there are changes in my personal life. Uh, very busy with the day job, uh, moving, and all these things kind of came about at once. So there's only 24 hours in a day, and I just don't have time to do a podcast on top of everything else anymore. So the uh, crown jewels, scepter, all of this stuff goes to Tyler. The scepter has been received, and thank you, Neil. It feels like I'm in the dubious version of King of Thrones. <laughs> And I am keeping the crown. Yeah, uh, Sandra remains the drama queen of Dubious. Sandra, first of her name, drama queen <laughs> of the North. Always. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it, actually. <laughs> I'm excited for you two. I know that you'll both do well. Uh, Tyler's a good fit for Dubious as a co-host. So for the listeners, keep listening. You will be in good hands with Tyler. Thank you, Neil. And I just want to say thank you for everything that you've done for the show. I really appreciate it. Anyways, I'm going to keep listening to you guys. So without further ado, let's hear your very first Dubious episode together. Today we have a plane crash, three young children and a newborn surviving in the Colombian jungle on their own for 40 days, a missing hero dog named Wilson and a drug-fueled search and rescue operation. If this story isn't an emotional roller coaster, I don't know what is. That's an understatement. <laughs> Definitely a story of highs and lows. It's mostly highs for the Colombian military and the dog handlers, it seems. <laughs> Welcome back to QBS. I'm Sandra here with my co-host Tyler and today we have an extraordinary tale of survival that will leave you in awe. Sandra, did you say tale on purpose as an homage to Wilson the Hero Puppy? You know me well. Uh, we're back this week with an extraordinary wagging tale that will take us deep into the heart of the Colombian jungle. Get ready to be amazed as we delve into the heart-wrenching story of a plane crash in Colombia and the incredible chain of events that followed. Plus, there's a twist. An adorable six-year-old search-and-rescue dog named Wilson who becomes Colombia's national hero for finding the children lost in the jungle. He goes missing under let's say, mysterious circumstances that might involve drug use by the dog handlers. This is truly an extraordinary story that has captured the world's attention in the summer of 2023. Hold on tight, because we're diving deep into the Amazonian rainforest. 
let's start with the beginning because we have a lot to unpack in this episode. On May 1st, four children, their mother and a family friend, boarded a light aircraft. They were flying to meet Manuel Renoque, father of the two children, who's an indigenous mayor in the remote Amazonas region in southern Colombia. He had decided to move his family away from their home on an indigenous reserve near a town called Araranquara after receiving threats from local guerrillas and drug-running groups who are recruiting children under the threat of violence. So basically their family was trying to keep these children safe and away from the drug cartels by relocating them. The seven passengers, the four children and three adults, were in a Cessna 206 single-engine propeller plane. We included the pilot in the count, so technically six passengers, four kids and two adults, seven lives total on board the Cessna, including the pilot. So on May 1st, as the group was flying from Araraquara to San Jose del Guaviare in Centro Colombia, about 240 miles south of Bogota, the plane crashed. And we don't know much about the accident other than a Mayday signal was sent and the pilot declared an emergency due to an engine failure. After that initial distress signal, the aircraft fell off the radar and soon thereafter the search for the plane and the passengers began. The Colombian Air Force sent out craft to search the area, a Bassler BT-67 and Bell Huey helicopter, and this precipitated a manhunt, initially involving 70 members of the army, and we'll get into the details shortly. What's absolutely amazing though is how young these children that were missing, how young they were, right? Leslie was 13, Soleni was 9, Tien Noriel was 4, and the youngest one, Christine, was only 11 months old at the time of the crash. How did these very young children survive the plane crash? How did they make it all alone for 40 days in one of the harshest environments on the planet? It seems that the children were seated in the back of the plane, which might have helped them withstand the impact when the plane crashed. The adults were in the front. And as far as surviving in the jungle for more than a month, on their own, I think this has something to do with it. The children are members of the Huitoto people, an indigenous group in southeastern Colombia, and the older siblings had some basic jungle survival skills despite their very young ages. Can you imagine if they were city kids? They wouldn't have stood a chance. <laughs> Definitely not. Let's be honest. We, two grown adults, wouldn't stand a chance. I'd be dead in two days from like eating some poisonous berry or something. These kids lived only because they knew which plants to not touch, how to find water. They were used to being in this environment and grew up surrounded by it. That being said, still, their survival is nothing short of a miracle. I mean, have you even seen one episode of Naked and Afraid? <laughs> no, not really, but I've heard of it. It's this show where people go into the wilderness. It can be jungle, mountains, desert, and they try to survive for two weeks completely naked in pairs. Let me tell you. I saw only about maybe five or six episodes a while ago, but there were former Navy SEALs crying like babies after one night in the Amazon. I mean, they gave up and went home. Literally, they quit the show broken. And these are grown alpha males types, right? With survival training at the highest level. What seemed interesting to me is that the jungle, uh, the tropical jungle, was the worst environment and the most dangerous one. You'd think that the desert would be worse. But no, most people on the show didn't fare well in the jungle. They fared well. Like, farewell, bye-bye, sign <laughs> <laughs> But before we talk a bit about the actual dangers the kids had to face and their struggle for survival, let's discuss the 33-year-old mother, Magdalena Mukuti. In the plane crash on May 1st, the other two adults, the family friend and the pilot, are believed to have been killed instantly. And Magdalena was severely injured, but 
still alive. This is heartbreaking. She was alive for four full days. That's what 12-year-old Leslie told the rescuers. Magdalena realized she was dying, so she told the children to, quote, Go away. Go away. Just leave. You must go and save yourselves. Uh, I got goosebumps. I mean, the strength and the love she had for these kids. And I also think that she did not want them to see her die to protect them from that traumatic moment. In a moment of unimaginable anguish, she made the heart-wrenching choice to separate from her children, urging them to leave her behind and increase their chances of survival. And Magdalena's actions and the children's resilience exemplify the indomitable spirit of humanity in the face of adversity. This part of the story is really a testament to the extraordinary strength a mother has. I don't often get emotional when it comes to people's stories, but this one got me in tears, to be honest. And another detail that for some reason stayed with me is that the 11-month-old baby, Kristen, turned one years old in the jungle as the kids were missing, so... On May 26th, the little one's birthday, the search team spent hours singing happy birthday on megaphones in the jungle. Yeah, that's just crazy. This entire story is crazy. They should make a movie, a documentary at the very least. The whole world watched the search unfold. All Colombians were obviously immersed in this story, and for good reason. Not only is there a plane crash, but there are also missing children presumed to have survived. So it was a race against time. Right, a search team discovered the plane and recovered the bodies of the three adults in the rainforest on May 16, but they could not find the children anywhere in the wreckage or in the surrounding area. The obvious conclusion was that the four kids are still alive, and that's when the search and rescue operations for the children began. And because the entire country and the world were watching, also because the search operation was conducted by not only the Colombian army, but also by indigenous groups and other people trying to help, there were some moments of misinformation. To say the least, earlier in May after the plane wreckage was found, speculation began about the children's location. Everyone had an opinion, and by everyone we mean the different search parties involved, the different government search agencies, because as we said, it wasn't just the military looking for them. There was so much confusion, actually, that Gustavo Petro, the president of Colombia, tweeted on May 18th that the children had been successfully located. His tweet read, After arduous search efforts by our military forces, we have found alive the four children who had disappeared due to the plane crash. Joy for the country! Obviously, this tweet led to headlines across the globe. Colombian children found 17 days after plane crash. Everyone was celebrating. And can you imagine being the father of the children and seeing this tweet only to find out that it's not true. Your kids are still missing in the jungle. Petro ultimately deleted the message after stating he was misinformed on the status of the search and rescue mission by another agency. I bet this was the worst for the father and the other family members, because the truth is, at least at the beginning, the search and rescue operation was kind of a mess. At least to us, it didn't seem like there was much organization or strategy to it. Even the president was misinformed, so that tells you all you need to know. Exactly. Now, before we get to the next part of the story, which, believe us, it's crazier than the first part, let's talk a bit about Colombia and why these kids didn't only face the dangers of trying to survive in the jungle, but potentially running into illegal coke labs and being killed on site. For decades, Colombia has been uh, dealing with violence relating to the drug trade. 
We've all seen Narcos and we all heard of Pablo Escobar, but that's just the Hollywood stuff, the tip of the iceberg. FARC, the Revolutionary Armed Forces of Colombia, the most prominent of these terrorist paramilitary drug-related groups, agreed to officially lay down its arms in 2016. But in practice, they haven't. Not really. The areas where they were most active, particularly the more faraway parts of the country, still remain lawless to this day. Locals near Araracuara, the little town where the kids and their family lived before trying to relocate, have been targeted by a group called the Carolina Ramirez Front, led by former FARC members. Because of these drug factions, people are faced with having to either move or live in terror. This is what the children's father actually said about living there. I was very scared the children would be recruited. These people have no respect. They are capable of recruiting a child as young as two. And that's just one example. Sadly, Colombia is a failed state and all these different drug cartels and drug lords are more or less running it. And there are reports of corruption and of parts of the military being in the pocket of these drug lords. <laughs> Shocker. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? The jungle is the perfect place for them to build off the grid drug labs. And if you happen upon one of these labs, you are most likely a dead man. And they don't care if you are five years old or 55. They're not going to mess around. They'll shoot you. And especially since these kids were by now famous, their faces were on TVs and newspapers and online across the world with search parties looking for them. If they had happened upon one of these labs by mistake, the... The drug lords would have gotten rid of them just to not attract attention. Yes, and compound this with the other dangers, like the temperatures, the 100% humidity. Yes, humidity in the Amazonian jungle is 100%. I looked it up. The jaguars, the deadly spiders and snakes, the mosquitoes. And I know it sounds like not a big deal when we talk about mosquitoes, but we are talking hundreds and hundreds of mosquito bites that get infected and then the small infected areas attract other insects that deposit eggs into the skin. It's really no joke to have the skills and ability to survive in this environment even for two days. That's why I have the utmost respect for the migrants who come to the United States through the Darien Gap, for example. Yeah, and a small digression here, but we gotta talk about the Darien Pass. This is a 150 kilometer stretch of land between Colombia and Panama known as the world's most dangerous journey. And it's the only spot that was not developed to connect North and South America. One, because it's extremely hard to build anything there. And two, because let's be honest, it's a geopolitically important area to keep as is because our politicians don't want migrants to come through there easily. Satellite phones and GPS trackers don't work there. It's one of the last great black holes on the planet. I say whoever makes that trip through the Darien Pass is welcome and should get citizenship ASAP if they're not a drug trafficker or terrorist. But yes, if you Google the Pan American Highway, the highway that goes from the very top of North America to the lowest tip of South America, you'll see that Darien Gap is the only place where this highway is interrupted. There is no highway, it's just jungle there. There's also the idea that the drug cartels would have easier access to Panama and then onwards to the United States. Plus, there's a Panama Canal, which is strategically important. Exactly. Anyway, what matters is that we're talking about an environment in this part of the world that is almost unsurvivable. If you don't fall victim to the drug runners or common criminals or one of any number of deadly insect species that could have ended your life before help gets close to you, not to mention dehydration, heat stroke, and so on. And yet here we have Leslie, the 13-year-old, Solani, who's nine, Tien Noriel, who is four, and baby Kristen, 11 months old. 
they all made it out alive in relatively good condition, medically speaking. After finding the bodies of the three adults on the plane, the Colombian government sent 150 soldiers with uh, search and rescue dogs into the area. And as we said, there were also multiple volunteers from various indigenous tribes in the same location, and they aided in the search for the children. Now, in more dense parts of the jungle, soldiers dropped food from helicopters to help the children survive. It is unclear if the kids actually found any of these packages. Uh, from what I understand, they didn't. But nevertheless, good idea. Yeah. You know what else is a good idea? What? Reminding our listeners about our ad-free content. Our listeners can claim all our episodes ad-free if they become patrons. Dear friends, if you want to support us and enable us to bring new content every week, please become a patron on dubiouspot.com or by clicking the link in the episode notes right here in the app you're listening to us in. It's cheaper than a fancy tea and you get all our content ad-free. <laughs> that rhymed. <laughs> now back to our story. Multiple planes also flew over the jungle and fired flares to help people searching for the children in the jungle at night. There were also speakers that played a message from the children's grandmother who encouraged them to stay in one location as opposed to continuously moving around. As the day searching for the children continued, the soldiers found footprints and multiple items that made them think the siblings were still alive in the jungle. You know, they found diapers, a baby bottle, and even chewed fruit. The kid's father, Manuel Renoque, never lost hope. He said in an interview that his sister had once survived for a month in the jungle. This story is amazing. So many details to it are just unbelievable. And these kids are so resourceful. The children's uncle, Fidencio Valencia, told reporters when the plane crashed, they took out of the wreckage a farinha, and with that, they survived. Farinha is a cassava flower that people eat in the Amazon region. After the farinha ran out, they began to eat seeds and various types of fruit they found in the forest. Luckily, timing was in the children's favor. Astrid Caceres, head of the Colombian Institute of Family Welfare, said the kids were also able to eat fruit because the jungle was in harvest at that time. So if the plane had crashed in a different month, for example, they might have not made it, and they probably were able to find water sources and also, as we mentioned, they drank rainwater. It's absolutely amazing, and what's really extraordinary is how the two older kids, especially Leslie, took care of the younger ones. The survival of an 11 months old baby who drank a mixture of water and flour and then fruit juice, I presume, for like 40 days is... I'm blown away! And the kids were found on June 9, malnourished and with bruises and scratches, a bit dehydrated, but with good vital signs and overall in decent health, considering, you know, the nightmare they've been through. Crazy! And you know what's crazier? What's coming next? We have a search and rescue dog named Wilson, and Wilson was the first to find the kids before any human would get to them. And then Wilson disappears under dubious circumstances, and for the first time in the recorded history of man, we have a search and rescue operation organized to find a search and rescue dog. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know what I always say, right? You can't ignore your trauma and hope it disappears. The only way forward is to deal with it. Life keeps throwing curveballs at all of us. Fireballs, spitballs, too many balls. And when you're overwhelmed, you're not at your best and it affects your interactions with the people you care about. So how do you deal with it all? 
Call your therapist like I do. Yes, to be friends, I'm a better help happy customer, been using their services since way before we even started this podcast. I can attest to the fact that Sandra is now, let's say, a much lovelier person to be around. <laughs> oh, shut up. Also, my therapist will love hearing that. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, it's affordable, it's flexible, and most importantly, it's entirely online. And you'll get 10% off your first month if you sign up at betterhelp.com dubious. Yes, and then you can talk to your therapist whenever and however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. So do yourself a favor, take care of your mental health, because when you feel empowered, you are prepared to take on everything life throws at you. Visit betterhelp.com slash dubious to get 10% off your first month or click the link in the episode notes. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash dubious. Right, let's look closer at how the search and rescue efforts happened. It's important to understand how many moving parts were working on this mission at the same time. But as we said earlier, there was a bit of a lack of coordination among the many groups involved in the search. On May 1st, the plane crashed. At 7.34 a.m. local time, the pilot made a distress call reporting engine failure and radio contact was lost shortly after. The Colombian Air Force sent out a craft to search the area that Basler BT-67 and Bell Huey helicopter we mentioned earlier, and this precipitated a manhunt initially involving 70 members of the army. Then, a search team found the plane on May 16 in a thick patch of the rainforest and recovered the bodies of the three adults, but the children were nowhere to be found, so the military sent 150 more people. From May 6 to June 9, when the kids were found by Wilson, the six-year-old Belgian Malinois dog, there were helicopters in the air, military on the ground, especially the Colombian army with search and rescue dogs including Wilson, and there were a lot of other groups looking for the kids. To assist in the surge, President Gustavo Petro himself appealed to the indigenous communities, members of the Siona, Nasa, Huitoto, Sequani, Misak, Murui, and Coreguaje peoples were flown down to help because they know how to deal with the environment better than anyone. The air search didn't reveal much. Trees can grow to 100 feet or taller in the Amazon, blocking light and making it hard to see anything, even with body heat detectors. And on the ground, visibility in the jungle is never more than 60 feet, so it was really hard. And in fairness, the army didn't give up. You know, nobody gave up even after 20 days when most experts were very reluctant to predict an optimistic outcome for the kids. But... On May 17th, the search efforts intensified because rescuers discovered a shelter built with sticks, leading them to believe that the children were still alive. Photos were released by the military showing scissors, shoes, a baby's bottle in the children's makeshift shelter. It's important to mention here that many Colombians are, you know, superstitious people. They are. For example, uh, Flavio Yepes, a member of the Sicuani community, told The Guardian that some people from the search party did not eat animals for 40 days as an offering to the forest, not even a snake until the kids appeared. Good, I love that. Let's not eat animals, people. We have options. Anyway, I don't want anyone to eat any animals. As I said, 
Beyond Meat is great, impossible, whatever, we're not sponsored by them, just saying. And it's healthier to not eat meat. Anyway, the military, who was officially in charge of the search and rescue operation, including the dog handlers, come from the same background, so they too have certain beliefs and rituals, and they used every trick in the book, even taking ayahuasca as part of a ritual aimed to help them locate the children. Ayahuasca has been used for centuries by First Nations people from contemporary Peru, Brazil, Colombia, and Ecuador for religious rituals and therapeutic purposes. Ayahuasca is a plant-based psychedelic like uh, LSD, for example. Psychedelics affect all the senses, altering a person's thinking, sense of time, and emotions. They can cause a person to hallucinate, seeing or hearing things that don't exist or are distortions of reality. This might explain the various reports about when exactly Wilson the dog went missing? It seems so, yes. Usually, locals make this tea and drink it. Uh, the active chemical in ayahuasca is DMT, dimethyltryptamine. So it gives you energy, yeah, but it also makes you see things that aren't there. And you might experience time differently. And while we must be respectful of people's beliefs and traditions, Let's be honest, maybe ayahuasca wasn't the best idea when it comes to a search and rescue operation in the jungle, an operation that also includes dogs who feel when humans have altered senses and can get scared or react unpredictably. And it's just a bad idea overall for everyone's safety. And this is where our red flags go up and the dubimeter alarm starts sounding. Exactly, because we both love dogs, Tyler has a pup named Nala, she's a gorgeous white floof, and I have my Odie, who's a black lab mix and a chunk, and we love these dogs beyond words, and when we heard that Wilson went missing, we started looking into this story more closely. Because it's very unusual for a search and rescue dog to get lost or run away from his handlers. Very, very dubious situation, I've never heard of anything like this before. So we knew something must have happened there. And it's hard to find out more information, but it seems Wilson the Hero Dog is not the only canine the Colombian army lost during this search. According to some more reports, there were two more dogs that went missing, but again, very unclear information. Because of ayahuasca. <laughs> Or maybe coke. I mean, I read that some other native plants are sometimes added in the pot when preparing the ayahuasca tea. Coca is a native plant, so... <laughs> Anyway, Wilson, the sniffer dog, finally picked up the scent of the kids on the night of June 8th to 9th. Again, not clear reports. The team that was with Wilson was composed of four indigenous rescuers who are exhausted by this point. Apparently, so was Wilson and all the other pups involved in the search. And there was another team of Colombian commandos with them, and they had all been combing the jungle for about five weeks, and they were all tired, which is understandable. The six-year-old Belgian Shepherd led his handlers forward through thick Amazonian rainforest deep in the impenetrable and rain-soaked undergrowth. At last, the group came to a small clearing in the jungle, after Wilson had already arrived there first. Reports vary on the timeline here, but Wilson was barking intermittently as he was trained to do, to signal that he found the kids. According to the people who got there first and got interviewed by the press, this is what we know. The children cried, they were cold, they were hungry, and they were in shock. The eldest had torn some of the fabric from the clothes of their mom. They used it to wrap themselves up, and I think to be close to her. They were exhausted, the eldest was weak, she was concerned, she was losing her memory, they just couldn't walk anymore, they thought they were going to die. They prepared to die, but thankfully, that's when they were found. 
Leslie had her one-year-old sister in her arms. The five-year-old was huddled under a mosquito net, and the very first thing Leslie said was, I'm hungry. The kids were airlifted to a hospital in Bogota where they remained hospitalized for a while because they were malnourished and dehydrated, but they made a full recovery, physically at least. Emotionally, hard to tell if they ever overcome this trauma. But what we know is that they loved Wilson, the dog who found them, and the kids even made drawings of him and asked about him, and they told everyone how he stayed with them until the humans arrived and how friendly he was. And they couldn't remember exactly how long Wilson was there, but it's at least a few hours, if not a full 24 hours. And Wilson, the Belgian Malinois... Wait, wait, there are mixed reports about his breed. I read he's a German Shepherd, actually. We did refer of him as Shepherd too earlier, but it doesn't matter, he's a whatever his breed might be right maybe everyone was so high they can't even tell what breed wilson is but <laughs> we know for sure he is super cute and huggable we both saw the photos yes he's adorable and look we're not like i don't know breeds very well so even from the photos i can't tell exactly what he is but does it even matter what matters is that wilson has yet to return home he's still in the jungle and according to some media wilson got lost on the same day he found the children. Colombian authorities have noted that no one will be left behind, and then, after the kids were found, a massive search for Wilson started. And reports about Wilson's exact disappearance date are unclear, as we said, but he's widely credited as being the dog who found the children, so we know for a fact that he stayed with them for a while and then led the people to them. Special Forces Commander Gustavo Narvaez Orozco told Semana it was quite strange because Wilson is trained to do what he was ordered. He was supposed to come back to his handler. On the day he went missing, he was approaching his handler. Then he had a weird reaction and ran away. It's hard not to speculate here. And it's also hard and somewhat unfair to the military and people involved in the search to speculate. But we have to for Wilson. Considering the unusual circumstances surrounding Wilson's weird reaction when seeing his handler and disappearance, it's plausible to entertain the idea that there could have been more to the story than initially reported. One possibility is that Wilson's handler uh, may have been high under the influence of the ayahuasca tea or coca or both, and dogs sense that, they can get spooked by that. Wilson's sudden and uncharacteristic behavior could have also been a result of, you know, potentially previous abuse by the handlers. The dog's instinct to protect himself or signal distress could have led him to run away from his handler during the search operation. Or Wilson, driven by his loyalty and intuition, may have been trying to convey a hidden message or lead the search team to another discovery, such as a hidden cocaine lab in the jungle. He may have come across a hidden lab and attempted to alert his handlers to it. This speculative scenario aligns with the idea that Wilson's weird reaction and subsequent disappearance could be connected to the discovery of something significant. Or maybe he found something else, a dead body, for example. This is really a stretch, but it could be that Wilson's handler might have been maybe rough with the pup, you know, just a little too strict and maybe even aggressive previously, so Wilson might have simply chosen to get away. We know from media reports that Wilson was already a bit emaciated towards the end of the search from the constant effort, right? That is understandable on one hand, but I personally think that good handlers would know how to properly feed a dog during such a prolonged search so that the dog doesn't lose muscle and stay strong and healthy. This detail alone doesn't sit with me well at all. Yeah, I'm thinking something similar. 
During a search like this one, the dogs are the responsibilities of the handlers. One of the Colombian army representatives said in an interview, some of my men owe him his life as a result of previous operations. We won't turn our backs on him. We never leave a man behind, so we are still looking for him. And yet, a few weeks later, this was the official statement about Wilson, who in the meantime had become Colombia's national hero and really the world's hero. The internet was on fire about finding Wilson. So this is what Special Forces Commander General Pedro Sanchez said after trying to find the dog but failing. Wilson is one of our comrades. We have done absolutely everything within our reach. We have spared no efforts to find him, but we are aware that it is practically unlikely that we can find him. I don't know. This this got me upset. They could have, uh -huh. what, tried harder, something. It just, it feels like they should have looked for Wilson the same way they looked for these kids with that same motivation and resilience. Wilson deserves better. I agree, but maybe we're wrong, maybe it's for the better. Bear with me here. Members of the army searching the jungle saw Wilson again though, after the first time he ran away from his handler, and tried to approach him. According to the Colombian military, they quote, sent another canine his way so he wouldn't feel threatened. But the hero dog ran away again. And why would he feel threatened by his handler? Unless, as we speculated, the handler was abusive? Exactly, that's what I'm thinking too. So this time when he was last seen, after first running away and having that weird reaction, the officers said he was a bit thinner. They tried to lure him with food, they called for him and sent a female dog from their unit. I've also read that the girl pup was in heat, so they did try to get Wilson back. It's not that they wanted to give up on him, but once he saw them, Wilson ran away and that was the last time anyone reported having any type of contact with him. I see what you mean. I'm of the opinion that it's always best to trust your gut. And my gut right now is telling me Wilson didn't have a happy life with his handler and with this military commando group. Maybe it was drug use. Maybe it was abuse. Maybe Wilson was not even being fed properly. It can be any number of things or all of these things combined or maybe none of it is true. But the fact remains that no dog runs away like that, especially when he's hungry unless life in the jungle is more appealing than his life with the handler. A hundred percent, that's what I think too. That, or Wilson was trying to get the army to follow him to show them he found a coke lab. It's either this, or the scenario of drugs and abuse we discussed earlier. And maybe the army was in on it as they sometimes are in Colombia, and nowadays when everyone in the search party had phones with cameras, they wanted to avoid a massive scandal in the press, so they just gave up on Wilson and left him in the jungle. Or after the search group prepared and consumed the ayahuasca tea, maybe Wilson somehow got into the pot with the leaves and maybe he ate some. And that would also explain his unusual reaction when he saw the handler. Either way, the people responsible for Wilson's well-being are the ones who, one way or another, are the root cause for his disappearance. Obviously, and I agree, but you know, it's all speculative. But as dog parents, we can't imagine such a turn of events unless something is rotten in Denmark. <laughs> or in our case, rotten in Colombia. <laughs> Yep, and the Colombian people were so upset when the search for Wilson was suspended and they made huge inflatables shaped like Wilson and took to the streets. I saw a video online. I was quite mad myself, to be honest. And look, we, we tried to find other cases of search and rescue dogs that would run away or go missing on the job, and we couldn't find any. Only Wilson, who, by the way, was a very good boy, very professional, <laughs> very well-trained. It just... It doesn't make sense, and it's infuriating that the army only looked for him for about 20 days. It just doesn't seem right. There's 
definitely something more to this story and it's probably one of the three options we discussed earlier. Agreed. Wilson is such a sweet pup and, you know, he was also very good at his job. I mean, he is because... I'm sure he's alive. And I also think that people living in the area are still keeping an eye out for the hero pup. And Colombians really love this dog. Everyone loves this dog. And yes, the children he helped find love him. On one drawing signed by Leslie, the 13-year-old that was credited with keeping her siblings alive through her knowledge of the jungle, it shows Wilson between the trees and the river. The second signed by Soleni, the 9-year-old, shows Wilson next to a large flower, the sun and the Colombian flag. Please don't make me cry. I am dismissing the idea that he ate ayahuasca leaves from a teapot or whatever, like however they prepare the tea. Because of his handler's negligence, I refuse to, to believe that. That is a terrifying thought. Poor Wilson, alone and disoriented in the Amazon with dangerous animals and all kinds of other, you know, dangers lurking around. So him not being in control of all his senses, that hypothesis scares me to death. I don't think that's the case because remember, days later they saw him again and he ran from the handler again. If he had ingested some of the cocaine or whatever hallucinogenic uh, ayahuasca, the effects should have disappeared from his body by then. Good point, good point. I like to imagine that Wilson found a small village and someone kind adopted him and he's living happy and loved and is well fed and spoiled rotten. Or to be honest, even if he found a clandestine coke lab in the jungle and the people there feed him and love him and are nice to him, that will work for me as well. Right, and generally the people in coke labs don't do the drugs, they just make and sell them. So there's that. And while that's bad, if Wilson found a better, if not happier life with them, I'm going to be okay with this scenario too. Let's just hold out hope that Wilson is okay. I trust his instincts. He felt he needed to get away from the handlers, and he did, but only after he found the children and raised their spirits and stayed with them until they are safe. I think Wilson knows what he's doing. I think he might have found a better home. So, Tyler, what's your dubimeter level for this episode? Scale from 1 to 10. Definitely a 10 plus plus plus. <laughs> we have a plane crash, Magdalena's sacrifice, four little children, one only 11 months old surviving for 40 days in the jungle there's a massive search and rescue operation for the kids ayahuasca rituals we have a hero dog wilson who finds the kids and then he goes missing himself and then we have the first search and rescue operation for a search and rescue dog in history it's just all a crazy story I'm right there with you. Dubimeter level is 100, but our scale only goes to 10. So yes, 10 plus 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 plus. <laughs> well, I think that's all we've got for today. So if you like us, please recommend us to your friends and family. Personal recommendations are the best recommendations. We are at DubiousPod on all social media. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next week. We love you, Dubi friends. And don't forget, stay dubious. Stay dubious.